focus is better, you know, where before it was, you're really just literally trying to find as much stuff to run through the system. And now I'm really trying to pick the best stuff that I can make the most money on and most profit on. And, you know, luckily we've been good with our money and we've been able to, to save a lot for the last four or five years when we were really just running processes and, you know, doing the Amazon and eBay and selling on Etsy and, you know, doing all that type of stuff where we've paid off. We don't have a lot of debt. So moving here into the, you know, into our small office we've got here and, and building the, the barn back behind our house, you know, our debt's a lot, you know, our debt load's a lot lower than it was when we had a shop and employees and, you know, everything else. So being cognizant of that and knowing what I have to work with really helps me focus on what I'm trying to do. Sure. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs, um, when's the last time you created a listing, right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale. You've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So, Go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum. Save a little bit of money. Get some free keywords to test. Try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't, adjust. What's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations. But again, all the flat files uploaded, done as I needed. I pop in, so she'll send me a template. I pop in some information and then boom, it's handled. Oh wait, these pictures weren't done right, blah, blah, blah. This UPC needs it. Boom, modified, adjusted. And again, the communication's been phenomenal too. I get an email pack saying, hey, this was done or this, you're missing this, Steve. Hey, you got to do this. So, you know, we have those challenges too. And that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time. Did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can, um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do, not that we don't we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of uh, agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days. And then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts. Um, how do you? What's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me 
the accountant how to do a better job with it. And it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use um, the my, my link and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamins, Lee Ron, Hirsch Korn, and Nate Slamins. So you know you can trust them. Okay, so come out to the website, take a look at it, and you will get uh, savings and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join, you get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 362, Dallas Moore. Man, oh man, I get so pumped on these interviews because when you talk to somebody like a Dallas Moore, you, A, he's so humble, but he's so smart. And you sit back and you listen to him. So wise. I think that's the better term than smart. He's wise. Um, Wise uh, because of experience. Wise because he works at it. Wise because he knows himself. And I think, you know, you listen to the experts, the Gary V's of the world or whatever, that's it, right? Know yourself, know what you're good at, stay in your lane um, and, and design your life. And man, he's just designed his life so well. And that was our topic of discussion. I said this almost three years ago, and he's designed it even more. And I think I think it's almost like getting permission. I think Dallas will give you permission to sit back and say, hmm, you could sell a million dollars on Amazon. That's awesome. But, you know, that gets old after a period of time. So for us, for him, he, you know, did went more on what he enjoyed, that piece of it, because he's so self-aware. And where you are, if that's the million dollar you want to sell $10 million on Amazon, awesome. That's your lane. You know? and, and so I think it's cool that there's so many opportunities to make money and just figuring it out and then working on the process. But pay attention to what he talks about process, period. That's what's driven his success. So if you want to sell more on Amazon, process. You want to sell more on eBay, process. You want to sell more on Etsy, process, process, process. And that gives you the ability to scale. Such a great interview. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. I'm very excited to have this guest back. It's been two years and it looks like eight plus months, almost nine months. And I'm just, I can't wait to hear an update from Dallas Moore. Welcome back, Dallas. Thank you. It's been great. And, uh, I re- forgot how much I like talking to you. So I appreciate you having me back. I appreciate talking to you because you've really been silent for a long time. I watched you on YouTube. You were one of the most instructional. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this earlier as I was prepping an FBA shipment. Um, my, a lot of my show is really about the story, you know, your story and how you apply your life or apply what you did in your life to this business and how it connects. And I think I have a real gift for that. I don't give a lot of technical advice because I'm not a technical expert on a lot of stuff. I never claim to be. Um, I learn from every time I talk to somebody like you, I learn something and it's like, oh, okay. And then I apply it in what I'm doing and I get an advantage because I get the best from you and the best from Chris Lynn, for example, and the best from uh, somebody else. And then I can pick and choose, right? You, however, were one of the most instructional people that I've ever seen. You know, just I go back to the postcards. Here's the scanner. Here's why I'm using this scanner. This is the model. This is the way it scans because it can do X number of units per hour, blah, blah, blah. And you went into such technical detail and it's missed. I mean, I must admit, I miss (laughs) what you did because you really advanced me in our business. You know, you have kids and things that were important at one point in your life don't become as important as they once were. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good people who are making content on YouTube and stuff like that. And sure. I had a different perspective and everyone has a different perspective, but uh, you know, sometimes you just got to step back and just do what you want to do and enjoy your life. What did you get from when you were doing that? What was it that it benefited you and in what way did it enrich you? Well, one thing it there are jobs, a very solitude job. You really are kind of stuck in your own little world. And it kind of helped me get out of that a little bit and meet some people that I've still got long-term friendships with that I enjoy talking to and corresponding with. And there's no one that you can talk to about your job 
as much and will understand it as much as someone who doesn't. And there's very few people. I mean, I live in my little town's about 1,400 people. So there's no one in my town that does what I do. And there's probably nowhere within 100 miles that do what I do. But when you get on YouTube and you get there and really become friends with some people out there that are doing the same thing you do, it's nice to have that correspondence where you can really just sit down and talk about what's going on in the world. You're you're kind of a quiet guy. Um, I, I mean, would you call yourself, or at least back in the day, would you have called yourself um, kind of shy and, and reserved? Maybe so. I mean, I played college basketball, so I kind of had to be out a little bit, especially in high school and first part of my college years. You kind of, you know, people are talking to you, want to talk to you. But once I kind of fell into my real life, um, yeah, I mean, my wife is my best friend and, you know, we work together and run our business together. And, uh, you know, sometimes you forget about how important friendships are. So, so is that a suggestion? I mean, where I was going to go with this is if you are that person who's kind of quiet, and I agree with you, this is a very isolating business, very isolated. I mean, I haven't talked to a person other than you today, period, right? I mean, nobody. I haven't even seen a person. I mean, I was at the post office, dropped off a ton of packages. There wasn't a person around. And literally, there's not one person, my wife this morning. And so is this something that you would suggest? Because I, cause I get a lot of people like, well, Steve, you know, you got a good circle. How did you get that circle? And I'm like, well, you put yourself out there, right? Um, I mean, that's what happened for you. Fair? Yeah, and, you know, the neat thing about it is if it's something that you like, you can go more into it and do more like what you do where you're going to, to shows and different events. And when you're, and if you're not, that's not something that excites you or something that you like, you can kind of pull back and just kind of do your own thing like mm-hmm. I've done. You know, I've got my little Facebook page and, you know, three or 4,000 people that follow me over there. And, I'm one. you know, I post, yeah, I post over there whenever I feel like I find something exciting or cool or different that I want to post. But, you know, I kind of pulled myself back and it just wasn't as important to me once I had my daughter and, uh, you know, started really growing the business. And figuring out what I wanted to do with my business. The, well, let's talk about that yeah. because I think one of the coolest things that you did back then, and in, and I said this to you earlier in our pre-interview, was that I think you were doing the intentional business before it's been popular. And and I don't mean this in a negative way for anybody who's doing intentional because I preach it 100% because I think, you know, again, this you can go get a job and make more money sometimes yeah. than what some people are doing, right? But you sure. won't have the freedom, right? And so that intentional business, you guys intentionally carved out a life. Um, you were very careful about expanding on Amazon. You were very cautious. And you really built up a very scaled eBay business. And at that time, you had, was it your brother-in-law working with you, um, handling a whole dimension of the business. Um, and yet, it, you helped design his life at that point. That sure. was way cool. That was two and eight, almost three years ago. You were knee-deep in it. Yeah, and a lot's changed. Um, my brother-in-law, Jared's gone off, and he's the social media manager for an internet company now, and kind of we were at a point where we both decided that we wanted to pull back. So I kind of took that business and transferred it over to VA. So I have VAs kind of doing what he was doing at that point. But, uh, you know, I think that's important. You know, you've got to look at what you want out of what you're doing. Mm. And, you know, even for us over the last six months, you know, we had a lot of changes go on in our world and it gave us an opportunity to look back at what we wanted And, you know, for me, I became a lot more of a processor and it became about how much can I run through my system at any given point. And when you're doing that, you're you're dealing with a lot of lower dollar values, but you're doing it in volume. And to do that, you've got to have some help and develop systems and, you know, a lot of different things to make that make money for you. And over the last six months, we've kind of taken a step back and looked at what we were doing and did more of what was working and that we didn't have to necessarily put our hands in every day and kind of step back from the stuff where we were having to do a lot of the work to give us some time to spend with our daughter as she grows up and get out and enjoy the things that we like doing. You know, the job that I created for myself wasn't the job that I really wanted. The job (laughs) that I like is going to estate sales and auctions and, you know, going out and finding the antiques and collectibles. And when you're running a process business where you're just trying to move as much dirt as possible and, you know, try to turn 
$3 into $10 over and over and over and over again, it's, you really got to sit in an office and, you know, manage the people that you got working for you to be able to do that type of volume. And when you sit back and you look at it and you say, hey, that's, you know, this isn't what I got in this for. What I got in this for is I want to go find cool stuff like, you know, letters from the 1800s and, you know, old home movies and the type of stuff that I like buying and collecting and figure out how you can make your business work for that. And that's really what we've worked over the last six months to really try to figure out. Well, how do you, I mean, how do you get past the fear of, uh, am I going to, you know, cause let's use your example. You're spending $3 to get $10 in, right. And you're sure. doing volume. So you're, you're bringing in a thousand bucks a week. So let's just use that example. How do you pull back and replace that income? Where's, where do you get that confidence? Um, how do you evaluate you know, because it's almost like starting out, leaving your full-time job in essence. Really, sure. I mean, that's really the same thing, right? How do you, how do you plan the, for that? The, I think it's very similar to what a lot of people do with their full-time job. You kind of do that stuff that you think might work on the side while you're doing what you're, you know, you're doing every day. You know, while you're running those $3 into $10, you keep doing that stuff until you figure out a system that works to replace that. And, you know, I never walked away from, you know, the 3 and $10 stuff. Oh, so it's like a slow turn? Is that what it is? Like you're turning a faucet off slowly? Is that what happens? Sure. And, you know, you're you're trying to do something that not, you know, just for example, you know, I I buy a lot of photographs and postcards and type of stuff that a lot of people look at and say, well, that's not worth my time. But when you're buying thousands of postcards and you can run them through a system in which you're, you know, you're selling them you know, you're selling 30 or 40, six, seven, $8 postcards a day. Well, then it starts to make sense. And you keep doing that and figure out how you can pull yourself out of that system. So I got VAs that, that I figured out a system in which I can list the postcards. I figured out a system through, through apps in which allows this, the listing of it to go a lot quicker than most people could normally do it. Like you said earlier, you know, I've got a high powered scanner and I, I can scan hundreds of postcards, a, you know, every five minutes. And, you know, you do those things where you can pull yourself out of the system and then uh, put yourself into systems in which you, you like doing. You know, like I like going out to, you know, estate auctions all over the country and buying stuff. So I couldn't do that if I didn't build the systems to to pay my bills, you know, the, mm. the postcards, the photographs, the books, the different things like that. And you just keep doing those things, you know, and slowly you turn them off as they stop to work or they're not worth the time and effort. But uh, very few times have I found where I haven't been able to develop a system that allows me to pull, pull myself out, allow VAs or, or assistants to take that work from me and allow me to do the stuff that I want to do. You know, I became a lot more of a processor where I was sitting in an office watching other people do stuff and a lot less of a picker, which, which I like doing, is going out and finding stuff. So it's really build your processes, document your processes, and then find the part of the process that you love. And, you know, because, I mean, not everybody, yeah, do more of that, right? And then outsource that other piece. Um, I think it's very, very smart. Now, that was three and a half years ago, or two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, you were doing that. And then you've kind of adjusted it. So it's not a set in stone thing, right? Is, is it because your interest changes over time after you, maybe you accomplish it, check, bucket list item done, next item, right? Is that kind of part I'm of I'm sure it? somewhat is that, you know, but at some point you've got to do what's paying the bills and mm-hmm. you've developed a system that pays the bills and that three and $10 stuff, as much as I hated it, it paid the bills and I couldn't turn that stuff off, just stop doing it and then go do what I like because then I wouldn't be able to support it. But it's not sexy, Dallas. Yeah. But it's not sexy. It's not at all. It's not at all. You know, and, you know, I I went to an auction about three weeks ago and I bought a lady's collection of antique dolls. And I know enough about antique dolls to be dangerous, but I don't know enough about it to be an expert. But I went there and I spent a good amount of money to buy my education and mm. I brought those dolls home and you know, I spent a thousand dollars on these antique dolls or something, but not only did I make a substantial profit from buying the dolls, but I also learned something about how to take pictures of dolls, how to ship dolls, how to do those things. Yeah. So the next time that I run across dolls, 
I can add that to my repertoire of things that I'm doing and be able to feel more confident about buying them. And, you know, I think if you can add more things as you go along, you can get rid of some of that lower dollar stuff and focus on the stuff that's making money. What you just described is so, so powerful because you're basically taking that. Let's say, like you said, you know how now how to take the pictures but these are pictures that sell. So you could take right. somebody else selling the exact same doll. You can, even though you're doing a separate listing on eBay, it's a separate listing as opposed to the other one. Sure. You're able to improve so much better than me, for example, by right either a better listing, better photos, or whatever. And so, therefore, you're going to get the uh, call it the buy box. You're going to get more eyeballs because that's what people are looking for, and you're going to sell it and probably sell it at a premium. Sure. And faster. I mean, and I think the key is the, you know, a lot of people, you can go out and you can buy stuff and, but you've got to learn when you're buying. And when I, like when I bought these dolls, I knew enough that I had made a good purchase on the dolls, but I didn't know how good of a buy I had made. You know, like I said, I think I spent a thousand dollars and over the last month, uh, you know, there's 47 of these antique German and French dolls. You know, I've made a substantial profit, but I've also known what, what to look for next time I go to look for a doll. I know what buyers are looking for when they're looking for dolls. Like before, you know, I would have never thought that bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. And the, the most expensive doll I spent, I bought was a little eight inch French doll and it sold for well more than I paid for the entire lot of dolls. And I would have never thought that when I bought the dolls, because I know what to look for as far as what to look for, what makes a good doll a good doll, but I don't know what makes a great doll, you know, a great doll. Until and now. Until now. And now I've got that knowledge. And today I went out, you know, before I this call, I went out to um, an estate appraisal. Um, I buy out a lot of estates here locally. And the lady happened to have some French dolls. No and kidding. Everyone else that was there, there was two other appraisers there. They didn't know anything about dolls. And I was able to go and tell the lady about, you know, her mother's doll collection and how these particular French dolls were very valuable and were neat dolls. Nothing else in the house was very exciting. I mean, it was there was stuff, but nothing else very exciting. But it gave me a leg up on my competition when I was able to go in there and explain why this doll here with the oval, you know, with the almond-shaped eyes makes me think it's a French doll by... Bougeot and, you know, all this different stuff that I learned over the last month from selling these dolls that I bought at auction. And if you add those things to your repertoire, you're able to get rid of the smaller stuff things. You don't have to buy coffee mugs or T-shirts. You can you can focus on higher dollar stuff. That makes me think of two things. One, have you thought about how many times you would have went into those estates and seen dolls and be like, oh, I don't know about this times. room. I mean, I, me too. And I think about yeah. that when I go in and I see all that. I'm like, I don't know. It's probably, it probably doesn't look like it's worth anything. However, like you're saying, is there's probably two in there that might be incredible. And the rest of them are just standard stuff, right? Sure. But I would have passed by it, right? Second thing is that gets me thinking about this is does it now – when you go, right, I guess you're saying yes, is that you now have an eye, you add that to your quiver, drop off some other things, and then it just it's a specialty, and so you'll be known as the doll guy, right? You'll now well, maybe have not this opportunity. But it's, it's yeah. another thing that I can add to my, okay. to my you, know, you know, like I know a lot about vintage photographs. I know a lot about home movies. You've sold and thousands and thousands. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, those are things that, I'm still super excited about. I mean, I, I, ephemera and that type of stuff, that's probably what I'm best known for. But by adding these dolls and adding, you know, whatever I find next week or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, you just add more knowledge to your base. And some of it you just, you'll put in your knowledge base and you'll be like, well, that's not really that important. And you, you just kind of lose it. But like, these dolls, you know, there's thousands of dollars to be made in dolls, you know, especially antique dolls. And the more I know about them, you know, or cowboy hats or cowboy boots or, or whatever it is, there's a lot of different things that you can become better at and it'll add to your, you know, to your knowledge base. And the more knowledge you have, the more money you make. And like I, you know, I said this a lot on my YouTube channel, you don't have to be smarter than everybody else that's going to these estate sales or going to auctions. You just have to be smarter than the person you're bidding against or the person who's pricing it at an estate sale. And if you're smarter than those people, you can make money at doing what you do. Do you, um, 
does this recharge your battery? I mean, is that one of the things that gets you juiced up about, especially now that you know that this is the part of the business you really want to do more of? Sure. Is, it, is it what keeps you going? Yeah. I mean, every day, you know, you, you go out there and you're trying to find the, the next thing. I mean, over the last, you know, couple of years, I found some great stuff. You know, I mean, I, I found a, a collection of letters from the 1847 gold rush that I bought at an estate sale oh, for $15. Cool. But I came brought home and I figured out what, what makes these letters special and what makes all, any letter special. So when I go to an estate sale now, if I see a group of box of old letters or paper, I know what makes them valuable and what makes them not valuable. And I sold that collection to a collector from uh, Phoenix, Arizona for $3,500 for a $15 purchase. Mm. You know, just like, you know, French doll. You know, I, I paid $50 in an estate auction for a French doll that I didn't think was going to be anything special. I knew it was more valuable than $50, but I sold it last week for, you know, 1300 bucks. And there's a lot of different things like that that you can learn that you're not going to find them every day. But if you have enough things in your in your arsenal that you're learning about, you can find something that's going to make you money every day. Do you have a method of keeping track of it other than your mind? For those of us, me, Steve, who can't, whose mind races and continues to the next thing, shiny object, shiny object, I'm always, so it's very difficult to retain. Do you have any techniques or methods that you could recommend for people to keep track of those, like that example with the dolls, for example? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I do. I, I, I use a lot with uh, Google Sheets and anytime I find something that maybe I want to remember, or you know, maybe I'm walking, watching Antiques Roadshow, or I'm watching, you know, some sh- TV show on on television about antiques or collectibles, and it'll be something that that I've seen before that I want to remember. I'll I'll go down and I'll add a line to my my Google Sheet, and then when I'm sitting at home doing nothing, watching TV, watching the news, shooting myself from watching the news or whatever, <laughs> I can flip through that that spreadsheet and just kind of refresh my memory and. A lot of times I'll take pictures and I'll add and and different things like that. But I use my Google Sheets and Google Drive a ton for that type of stuff. Hmm. You know, I sit back and I think about what you described watching Antique Roadshow in that. That's really the... Uh, the school system that you have to do, right? There are auctions, or I always use uh, antique malls or another one. If you walk to an antique mall, and I use that one of those little stupid coffee cups that uh, Red was it Red Rider, right? Is that yeah. the Joe Rider, whatever what it is? And I remember saying, "Wow, that's cool. That's old." And then I'd walk through and I'd see nineteen of them in the antique mall, and I'd be like, "Okay, that's <laughs> well, old, that cool. but that means it's not uh, <laughs> yeah. that's not um, scarce. Sure. So therefore, there's no value, right? That's one of my learning techniques. But what you're describing is really the education process that the real outliers have to go through. You have to put in your thousand hours. Maybe that's the right way to say it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of things that that can kind of speed up that process. But, you know, the best education is just getting out there and doing it and touching these things because, unfortunately, there's a lot of fakes of different stuff and you can Mm. get burned by – but if you put your hands on stuff, you know, like like these dolls, I was undressing them. I was looking at them, seeing how they looked, what they felt like in my hand, what the faces felt like, you know, what, you know, how would the writing on the back of the necks looked and different things that you can kind of just put in your head. So next time when you're going to look and it, you know, it doesn't look anything like that, you can say, well, maybe there's an anomaly here and I need to figure this out. You know, or you're looking at an old picture and, you know, you're, you're looking, you know, maybe it's a picture of American Indians who are, you know, staying there in full headdress. And I know from my personal knowledge that those are very faked items that a lot of people buy, you know, an old photograph and then take the more expensive photo of an Indian and tape it to the, to the paper. So it looks like it's an old photo. And I've seen that a lot at antique stores where people are selling those for exorbitant amounts of money, but they're obviously the fakes. And if you'd touched it or you'd felt it before, you would know what it, what it looks like. But I mean, go to auctionzip.com, put in your zip code, and go to an auction and just see what what you can learn. I mean, it's amazing just sitting there and looking and seeing what what people are buying and what they're paying for stuff. And you get ideas just by sitting there. How many, uh, I mean, if you don't mind, how many auctions do you go to? And percentage, around that, not percentage-wise, I'm assuming that you don't buy more than you look at, of course. But realistically, 
when you're cherry picking because you're looking to a because you're you're thinning what you're looking sure. you have a narrow niche what i mean because i think that people go and you feel you get caught up in it it's one of the big challenges about auctions is you can get caught up in it it's just you could buy truckloads of stuff every week sure. if you want yeah. then it gets piles in your corner I mean, can you talk a little bit about that what your experience is as you've developed this out well i mean i started out when i first started going to auctions when I first started in this business 12 years ago. First thing I, you know, the first, that's what got me selling on eBay is going to an auction. And I bought a, a box lot of Hallmark ornaments and there was these little merry miniature Hallmark ornaments that were in the box. And I can remember listing them on eBay and just watching the auctions go crazy at the end. You know, there's 20, 30, 40, $50. And then, you know, I had a box full of these things and they were all selling for, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks. And then, about a week later, I went to an auction, and they had a bunch of baseball cards in the bottom of this this, this basement of this guy's house. And I bought two, the whole basement out of baseball cards, $1,000 worth of baseball cards. And I two great big uh, pickup trucks full, the whole back of the truck full of boxes of baseball cards. And I brought these things home, and they weren't worth nothing, <laughs> you know. And that's part of going and learning is, you know, now I know 90s baseball cards, even though I thought they were cool. And when I was growing up, I collected them. There, there's no value in that stuff. But, you know, go to an auction, buy a box lot. You can buy a box lot of odds and ends for, you know, 10, 15, $20. Bring it home, research some of the stuff and see what kind of rabbit holes it takes you down. Because you'll be surprised, you know, you'll go down and you'll buy a box lot and There'll be one little thing in the, you know, in the bottom of a box, a button or a, a pin or something like that. And it may be worth $100, $150 that you would have never thought were, were it's worth any value. And, you know, but by going and just buying that box lot for 20 bucks, you can really get an education. And, you know, then start figuring out what you want to, cl- what you want to buy and sell and try to learn as much as you can about that. And then go to the next thing and the next thing and see how many rabbit holes you can get down before you, you just are totally enthralled. And you will be enthralled. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you'll be, I'm looking at post tin rings, right? Remember post cereal? Sure. These tin rings. Yeah. I, I remember going in auction and I wanted a bit, I wanted this tray of stuff and I bid and bid. Somebody beat me. And I went up to the person. I said, hey, look, there was like 50 items on this tray. I said, oh, I'm looking at that little tin ring. Would you mind selling it? She's like, sure, I don't care. You had no interest in it. Me, now I'm looking at my wall and I have a couple hundred of them sitting <laughs> on my wall, right? Yeah. Because it's it became an obsession almost, sure. right? One of the cool things that you did way back in time too is you bought a building and designed it for your business at the time. Now, that was kind of... Not everybody, everybody was leasing warehouses or whatever, but you saw something in that place that you could design your business around or vice versa. I guess I don't right. know how to say it yeah. the right way. How'd that work out for you three plus years later? Well, we have sold that building. Um, okay. So yeah. that must have worked out. <laughs> yeah. We sold it actually about a month ago and we, we closed. Uh, there was an electric company who was next to us and we had a little over an acre and a half of land. And, they came in and offered us a lot more than we paid for it. And, uh, well, that's a good math. You know, I like that math. Yeah, so I'm building a, a barn in the backyard of my house, and I'm going to you know, do it here right now. We're, we're working out of uh, about 480 square feet and uh, of a little office that we're renting, but our building should be re- done after the first of the year. And it'll not be huge. It'll be about 650 square feet, but uh, it'll be here at our house. But building, you know, and when I'm building that building in the backyard, you know, I'm going to do the same things that I did out at the shop. You know? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, what did you learn that you're going to repeat? Sure. I mean, the, the, where the windows are placed so you can get the best light for your photographs, you know, a lot of different things like that, that I didn't have at that, you know, when I went into that building, I didn't even think about, but it all, you know, happy accident worked out, you know, we bright colors, people were excited to come in and work from there. And, oh, uh, okay. you know, it was, you know, nothing, you can't reinvent the wheel. You know, you're taking pictures of stuff and you're listening online. It's not, you know, reinventing the wheel, but the processes that we build with app sheets and different things that to speed up our process of listing is really where it, it works. And, you know, you don't have to build a building around that type of stuff. 
Would you say that was one of the biggest advantage or the biggest uh, builders of your business is exactly what you just described, the, the sheets? And I remember, you know, I, I guess it was your wife I was chatting with one time back and forth, and she was talking about, hey, you know, no matter what camera, no matter what you do, photography is you must have a stand. You must have yeah. a, you know, it's got to be positioned, and that's one of the key things. So that whole system that, I mean, would you would you say that your processes that you guys have refined over the years would be the biggest driver of your growth? Oh, by far. And I mean, and it's always changing. You know, mm-hmm. when 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 we first went out from working in our house into a building, we, we bought a building or rented a building out north of town where we live, the biggest town where we live. And uh, we moved in there and it was nice just to have space, you know, instead of being in one extra bedroom of the house, we were, we were actually able to, you know, we had about 1400 square feet and we thought, wow, we'll never outgrow this. And then, <laughs> you know, about two, a year later after that, we were in the, the shop out there that you're talking about. And that was about 4,800 square feet. And I'm like, Oh man, well, you know, this is, unbelievable and before long it just starts filling up and you know you end up with a lot more space or a lot more stuff in the space and then when we sold the building we had to downsize from you know 4,800 square feet we had a big you know estate sale and sold a bunch of stuff but we then we went down to you know where we're at now and then we'll you know the system that we build in our computers that doesn't matter how much space we have you know and I can always make that bigger or smaller with AWS, so it's nice to, you know, I don't have to worry about storage on the computers, but the storage of the stuff that I buy is the key, and that's why, it, you know, I had to stop being a processor, you know. When we were out at the big shop with 40, you know, 4,500 square feet, you could buy it, you know, you could go in and buy out an estate and then bring it all home and just, you know, have your people go through it and process it, and you just boom, 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 and you had space to, you know, to store it, and when it sold, you just packaged it up and shipped it out. But when you get into a smaller space, you really got to start focusing on what you're, you're wanting to buy and figuring out how you're going to store it. And, you know, with photographs and whatever else that we sell that are, you know, a lot of that stuff is takes up very minimal space. I mean, I can put a, you know, I have a card catalog that I keep our photographs in. And I mean, I can have millions of photos in, a, in this school card catalog and it doesn't take up, you know, any more yeah, space than genius. a small refrigerator. I think of those old card cat. You're right. I, I, it's a perfect example. I think of uh, Pete Cassissa, Craigslist Hunter, right? Pete, Pete sure. always says this. He's like, his model, he can cherry pick because he needs to, but he can because of his space. And it's it's uh, they bring it the stuff to him. So he gets the best yeah. of everything. So he has to pay more money. He's like, Steve, I have to pay more money because people are doing the work. Now, in the end, it probably isn't paying more money because he doesn't have to go out and look for it, right? So sure. there's a value there. Yeah. So in your case, you're limited on space, so you have to be more intentional. So you have to spend a little more money, probably, I'm guessing, I'm asking, yeah. uh, to, to be optimal. But that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, over time we've developed people that we buy from. So I've got a couple Mm. of different people that are always buying photographs and, you know, know the type of stuff that I like to buy and I buy from them. And then I go out and fill the holes with the, you know, auctions that I go to here locally, or, you know, sometimes I'll jump on a plane if there's a good auction and go and, and buy stuff. But being in a small space, you're really cognizant of what you're buying. You know, I'm not going to go out and, you know, fill a trailer full of box lots, if I, you know, if there's not huge money to be made in it because I just don't have the space and 90% of that will end up just going to, you know, the thrift store down the street because I don't have time or, or place to process it. How has this um, helped your life clutter by, you know, downsizing, right-sizing, adjusting, pivoting, whatever we want to call it? Has it, you know, because at a time when your daughter's younger, so you got a lot of going on, I mean, is it, is, is life clearer? Does it clarify things for you? I think our focus is better, you know, where mm. before it was, you're really just literally trying to find as much stuff to run through the system. And now I'm really trying to pick the best stuff that I can make the most money on and most profit on. And, you know, luckily we've been good with our money and we've been able to, to save a lot for the last four or five years when we were really just running processes and, you know, doing the Amazon and eBay and selling on Etsy and, you know, doing all that type of stuff where we've paid off. We don't have a lot of debt. So moving here into the, you know, into our small 
office we've got here and, and building the, the barn back behind our house, you know, our debt's a lot, you know, our debt load's a lot lower than it was when we had a shop and employees and, you know, everything else. So being cognizant of that and knowing what I have to work with really helps me focus on what I'm trying to do. It's almost like stages. I sure. mean, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm listening to you talk about almost like stages of a, you know, because there's a life cycle of a business, right? You know, uh, it's a curve. And what you're describing is life cycle of a lifestyle business. And it ebbs and flows as you ebb and flow. The last thing I'd like to talk about is the thing that I think, um, you know, I, I'm going to give you credit for not and, and again, I know you're going to be humble about it, and you weren't the only one saying this, but it's true. When everybody else was saying that eBay's going to implode, they're not going to make it, they're going to do this and that, you were always like, I remember you saying, I'm most excited about eBay when I expected you to say Amazon because it's the behemoth, right? It still is the behemoth. But I remember you saying this, is that you were most excited about eBay because a, there's a whole bunch of people getting off of it because it's, they think it's going to implode, and it just makes it easier for those who execute really well. Um, that was years ago, and you know, it's it's obviously played out to be true. Um, how cool was that for you? Um, what did you see that was going right? I mean, how do you filter out the noise? Maybe that's a maybe that's the right question. Well, for me, it comes down about finances, and as much as I liked Amazon. The, the finances kept getting worse and worse and worse. And we would, you know, we had our 10 or 12 products that we sold and we were buying consistently, but our, pro, our, our profits kept going down and down and down every month. And, you know, you'd try to find different things and it would work for a while. And, you know, but eventually it's commoditized. Everything's commoditized over there. And the neatest thing about eBay is that the stuff that I like to sell is really one-of-a-kind stuff or stuff that's very hard to find. So it's not really – it can't ever be commoditized. <laughs> but you know, I think that's the most important thing about anybody who's doing any kind of business is you don't want to be in a business where what you're selling is just a commodity. Because if people value it as a commodity, then it's never going to be greatly profitable. But if people value it as a collectible or value it as an antique, then there's some inherent value in it. You know, one of the things that we're selling on Amazon that we did very good with were, were these fruit baskets. The, you know, like you get uh, strawberries at the grocery store, the wooden baskets. And we sold those in huge numbers for, for the first three or four years that we sold on Amazon. But before long, it started, you know, like I said, the profits kept going down and down and down. And that's going to happen with anything that's commoditized. When you're the only seller, you can ask whatever price you want. And then slowly people are going to, well, I'll take less or I'll take less or I'll find it less. Where on these things that I'm finding, you know, you're not going to be able to find a, you know, a, a French doll that's exactly like this one, you know, because it's 120 years old. And this person, this doll I have is very well cared for and has all these different values that are going for it. And that's always going to have value to someone. Now things change and things become more valuable over time. And that's why our job as picker becomes important because we're going to be out there and we're going to see those trends before anyone else. So, you know, we're shiplap and these different things that, hmm, that yeah, people, good you know, 10 years ago, people didn't care about that type of stuff but now that stuff's becoming well more valuable and if you're buying french country stuff 10 years ago you could have made a ton of money over the last couple of years by just having it and i think that's the key to the difference between amazon and ebay or my my ebay i mean i know a lot of people are selling commoditized things on ebay as well but you know the way i look at ebay is it's really about the stuff and finding good stuff and it's always going to have some value well, how do you how do you stay ahead of those trends? What are you doing um, to look at those trends? Like, is it the the doll the example of the trends? Well, I mean, I don't think dolls are necessarily example. And you know, well, no, I those have, French dolls. I mean, sure. that's that, that that example. Sure, I, mean. I have you know, I have a lot of different things that I look for. You know, when I'm going out, and I think, you know, like just for example, mid century modern arts and crafts type. Arts and crafts furniture 10 years ago was super valuable. But now mm -hmm. that stuff's starting to come down and people aren't as excited about it. And it's finding out what people are excited about. Now, I have fears because I do have fear that people are valuing experiences over stuff. 
And I think that becomes a, a fear for anyone who's doing what we do. But it's just getting out there and seeing what people are, are excited about today and finding that trend early. And, you know, maybe it's on Twitter or Instagram and seeing, you know, what types of things that are, are getting some traction that maybe you can buy undervalued today, hang on to it for a little bit and hoping it goes up in value, you know, like concert t-shirts 10 years ago, concert t-shirts from the seventies, you know, you could have made hundreds of thousands of dollars selling those concert t-shirts. But now those same t-shirts that were selling for three or $400 are selling for 40 and $50 because there's a lot of reproductions. People are happy buying a a $10 reproduction versus a $300 vintage t-shirt. And if people feel that way, you know, then maybe you look at something where you start producing the, the, you know, the modern equivalent of a vintage t-shirt and selling that to people. And it's just staying ahead of those trends and figuring out where your opportunities can lie. So wise, dude, I, I hope you go back. You, eventually your life gives you the opportunity because you are a true, uh, true teacher and not an instructor. You're a teacher because you, you, you have wisdom and you can transfer that wisdom. What would you say, you know, what do you, what do you say to new sellers? You know, uh, cause I like, it breaks my heart when I see somebody who's that, I always use that acres of diamond. They're sure. one inch away from success yeah. and they stop because they feel like they fail. They see somebody posting their million dollars on Amazon and they're like, Oh my God, I'm terrible. I only <laughs> sold $300,000. And I'm like, I'm like, do you realize downtown? None of those stores sell $300,000. You oh, should no. be, patting yourself on the back. What, what do you suggest for new sellers to, to, you know, maybe the top two or three things they need to do and just do it consistently? What would you suggest? Well, I think once you get to a certain point, you're not going to learn anything by looking at what people, other people are doing. The only oh, thing, interesting. you know, you, like Pete, you know, you brought up Pete. I think Pete, I'll, I'll watch, I follow Pete on Instagram and one of my best friends, Ronnie Hart is good friends with, with Pete yeah, I love and, Ronnie. and, uh, You know, if I sat down and I watched all of and I got down in the dumps every time I saw a Pete posting on eBay where he's, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars a month on eBay. You know, I I, I could get down on myself. I'm like, you know, heck, I'm not, you know, I thought I was pretty good, but I'm nowhere near 50 thousand dollars on eBay. But sometimes you just got to get out of that echo chamber and figure out what you want. And if you're reaching your goals, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. And, you know, set a goal for yourself. If it's, you know, like for me, I set a goal daily. So every day I want to hit X amount of dollars. And if I hit it that day, well, I feel great. If I didn't hit it that day, well, I go work harder tomorrow so I can make up for it. And I stop worrying about what Pete or Ronnie or any of these other people who are are great sellers and doing a great job because you don't know what their business is, you know, they may have hundreds of thousands of dollars of overhead or, you know, whatever. And just worry about you and doing what you do. And if you focus on that, you know, like I said, just focus on how much you got to make every day. If you very, you know, look at the tree, don't look at the whole forest. And then at the end of the month, sit back and figure out what worked, adjust your game plan and, you know, go after it the next month. Well, your example of hitting that, you know, that day you feel good because you hit that goal, that's proof of concept right there. I can hit that goal. Now I just have to repeat it. Well, I couldn't repeat it the next day. Like you said, all right, let me double the efforts, right? right? And then boom, you get there. Oh, dude, so good. Okay. So if somebody's interested in finding more about Dallas, your your YouTube channel's still up, right? Yeah, it's still up. And I, I might post some stuff over there in the coming year. I mean, I've been kicking it around. So, you know, you can pick me up. Picking live on YouTube or Dallas Moore on YouTube. Um, picking live on Facebook. Uh, I post there at least a couple times a week on some of the stuff I find and different things, funny things that strike me. Sometimes they're picking or antiques or collectibles related, and sometimes they're, you know, picture my daughter hugging a teddy bear. But, you know, it's uh, all things that make me excited, and, you know, that's where you can find me best is probably over there on Facebook at Picking Live. 12 years in it, you're still excited. That's the cool story. And, you know, now your family's full-time in it. I mean, to me, that's, that's where I sit back and I say, you know, how many business, what do they say? 98% of all businesses fail, right? X number in the first, you know, one year, three year, five year. Here you're 12 years into it and you're still excited. However, it's way different than when you started. Okay. Does that mean you failed? No, (laughs) that doesn't mean you failed. That means you figured out 
for you my, today? My road just went a different direction, you know, and three, you know, like you said, when we, we spoke before, you know, three years ago, my daughter was a, a little baby and now she's three years old and, you know, we're, we're trying to have a second one and, you know, your life just changes. And that's awesome. That's know, what's so awesome about yeah. it though, isn't it? And that's the greatest oh. thing about doing what, what I do. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who, who you talk to who are million dollar sellers on Amazon and, and, you know, are working every day. Like it's a, you know, a job that, that every, you know, you go in and punch the clock and, you know, do your job. But, you know, every day I wake up, I get to do something different. And, uh, you know, like this morning I woke up and went to bid on an estate. I went to two estate sales. I went to lunch with my wife and now I'm talking to you and, uh, you know, two thirty, I'm going to go pick up my daughter at school and we're going to go pick out a Christmas tree and uh, come home and I'm probably going to go through some of these stereo views I picked up today and see what I got in there and you know day just goes on but uh, that's the life I want and uh, you know I had a chance you know I've had it you know like you said before you know we had a million dollar Amazon business and uh, you know we decided to stop doing that and focus on doing our life the way we want to live it and you know, July, we're going to close up shop and we're going to go to Yellowstone for a month. And, you know, we go to Disney at Christmas and it's just the life that we want. Dude, that's so awesome. So inspiring. Man, I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to you again. Can't wait to see what else you sell because anybody who wants to follow the stuff, go go join his Facebook group because that doll stuff, I was like, whoa. You know? <laughs> and I think to myself, I literally, I said to myself, I've seen things like that before. I had no clue. Yeah. None. I bought Barbies. I bought a billion Barbies. Yeah. Right now you go to an auction and guess what? Everybody's buying billions of Barbies yeah. and they're so cheap because the market's gone. But but if you buy the right ones or if you buy, you know, again, that's all that knowledge yeah. stuff. So very, very cool. I thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you, Dallas. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So strong. Um, and, and what you didn't get to hear him talk about his daughter. He's so proud. And it's so cool. Um, that him and his wife are in this business together. It was such a great relationship, and it's so neat to see them um, prosper in a relationship. To me, that's the coolest part of the whole story, is together they prosper. You hear him talk about going on vacation with his family, and he, it's like it, he's almost giddy because he understands um, what life is about. So it's very, very cool, uh, very inspiring. And man, I hope you got as much inspiration as I did. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.